0: The Gucci Girl, Prada Professional, Coach Queen, or Target Trendsetter. No matter how you describe her, she's the most powerful consumer in the country. WebmasterRadio.fm presents Purse Strings. Join marketing to women expert Maria Ritan, principal at Top Sale Strategies, as she chats with those in the know so that your business can grow. Now please welcome our host of Purse Strings, Maria Ritan.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to Purse Strings. I'm Maria Retan. Thanks so much for joining me today. You can catch Purse Strings right here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Each and every week, you'll learn how you and your company can corner the market on the most powerful consumer in the country the 51% of us who control more than 80% of all the spending the woman. Well, an article I was reading from Fortune is by Phil Waba on Walmart, of all places, wanting to get more into the health space in its retail store. So physically in the store. They've announced it started in January. It's going to give protein and health bars like Cliff and Luna products more prominence in their store. They're actually going to move them from the -the over-the-counter area where you would find you know, drugs, diet supplements, things like that, to the grocery aisle and potentially later by the cash registers in the front. This is a push also to offer free screenings for things like high blood pressure, glucose levels an entire marketing blitz that they're calling a nationwide health fair They're going to make hundred, excuse me, 10,000, not 100,000 pharmacists available as well to give immunizations in select stores. Now, this is part of a concerted effort to elevate health and wellness within its stores based on what they believe are consumer demand. Even though Walmart says they think they're probably a little ahead of their consumer, they can feel that wave coming. Now, this also kind of combats Target and Walgreens, who also are very focused on health care as well in fact target ceo brian cornwell has repeatedly said that he wants to own health and wellness which is a is a big boom for really lots of different retailers Walmart, you may remember, moved to grab the U.S. pharmacy business, comes, as you may remember, on the heels of CVS integrating with 1,700 target pharmacies. So it is kind of a battle, kind of a race to see who's going to win the health and wellness category. So stick around. If you're a big Walmart fan, you're going to see lots of changes there. Our purse profile today is the Gucci girl, a single woman in her late 20s and early 30s with a higher income and very fashion conscious, about 2 million of these women out there, average age of 49, employed full time, no kids, making around 100K fashion magazines really do inform her. She likes to switch up her look each and every fashion season and she's always looking for novelty and change. She's the first among her friends to try new styles and she'll shop around at new stores. She just likes to shop whether she's buying or not. And when it comes to her career, she's very motivated, very ambitious, wanting to get to the top of her career. And she believes money is her best measure of success. What brands is she shopping? Well, she's at Nordstrom Express, Neiman Marcus marcus banana republic she's driving an infinity a jeep mercedes benz and nissan and yep she's a gucci friend she loves gucci kenneth cole calvin klein and chanel what's she reading well cosmo glamour allure shape are all big with her she's watching e vh1 bravo nhg tv and tlc as well my guest knows a lot about the Gucci girl and a lot of other kinds of women. That's because that's her business. Samantha Ski is the chief revenue and marketing officer for She Knows Media, which is a New York-based women's media company that believes in women inspiring women. She used to be at Recycle Bank and has been in the industry for a long time, really innovating on the product side as well. At She Knows, Samantha is responsible for advertising products, revenue generation, and corporate marketing and brand development. You may remember she was on Purse just a few months ago, last September, to talk about a new unit of She Knows Studios. Hatch is focused on tweens, and we're excited to have her back. This time, she's going to be talking about a She Knows study on women's influencers on their buying behavior. So if you want to know what motivates women to buy, stick around. Samantha's going to have a scoop on that when we get back from the break. Take care.
0: Her Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers.
2: to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com.
0: Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Ritam. And welcome back to Purse Strings. My guest today, you'll
1: recognize the name, is Samantha Ski. She's the Chief Revenue and Marketing Officer for She Knows Media, which is a New York-based women's media company that believes in women inspiring women, which is a wonderful thing to be believing in these days, of course. Now, you may remember Samantha was on Purse Strings last September to talk about a new unit of She Knows Studios at the time. Hatch focused on tweens. And we're excited to have Samantha back on the show today to talk about the She Study on Women Influencers Buying
3: Behaviors. Welcome back. Hi, thank you so much for having me.
1: You bet. Now, I came across the study, which I found to be pretty darn fascinating. We're always looking in my business at who's influencing women to buy. We know word of mouth is so critical. And in this study, you actually saw big shifts in what's propelling women to purchase. What were some of the big ahas for you out of this study?
3: Well, I think that we... We were pleased to see that social media continues to empower women to share their opinions and their recommendations. Facebook was by far the strongest platform overall in terms of driving influence around trial of products and adoption or purchase of new products. I think that is a a little misleading because just there are more people on facebook so the number there is very high but our number on blog influence was lower so in terms of women social media users and blog blog readers who follow everyday experts we found that you know only 36% are following on blogs but that the connection typically between the blogger and the, the reader of the blog is very strong. So the actual rate of conversion to trial or purchase is actually higher on blogs. It's just that not as many women follow blogs as they do Facebook.
1: Oh, that was so surprising to me. Of all the results, that one was the one that I, I found to be kind of stunning. I mean, the rise of the blog and the dominance of the blog has been so ubiquitous over the last few mm-hmm. years. So, when did this happen that blogs are now the least popular platform?
3: Well, I think that so. I, what we've seen over the past few years, and we own a network called Blog Her, which is comprised of very powerful women bloggers, many of those bloggers have actually moved their influence into a a more diversified landscape. So many of the bloggers who held their influence primarily within the space of their blog have now amassed really enormous followings on Facebook on Pinterest on Instagram so it's not that the bloggers themselves have lost influence it's that where they're wielding the influence has morphed a bit so I would its a, about three years ago it's been this has been building and I think um, that that many of the bloggers we work with have found that they can engage Engage in quite a deep conversation with a very broad audience when they take their material their content over to social platforms so I think it's really the advent of the social platform as not just a place where you post photos for your friends but actually or your family but actually a place where you are connecting with other like-minded folks who have um, an interest in the same subject matter and who want to you know follow you and see what you are doing a daily basis where that, that activity maybe used to bl- used to live within the blog context. It's now spawned out <laughs> yeah. in lots of well, places.
1: And that makes a ton of sense. It really does. Yeah. I mean, if you get into blogging because you like to write, I suppose that's one thing that you could do and just, you know, focus on your blog and just know you're probably not getting a lot of engagement. But I think a lot of bloggers these days are getting into the business because they want to have that influence and many of them want to build a business out of it too. So it sounds like it's not enough anymore and it hasn't been for a while just to, you know, have a pithy blog, but you've really got to integrate it. Yeah.
3: Right. And I think what we're seeing also that's kind of resonates, this data resonates with the activity we're seeing within our own, you know, community of content creators that many who started blogs 10 years back were probably more focused on the content creation or content production process. Many of those content creators have become very savvy marketers and they began to market themselves really effectively using a range of social tools and then sort of possibly by accident or by happenstance found that many of their conversations were actually mo- They didn't have to pull people back to the blog in order to engage them. They could engage them in a robust conversation right within the platform of social. I think it's also as we see the content creators who we work with are sort of one part content production, one part content promotion. They're just savvy marketers, and I think that they've come to understand that building their brand usually has to take place, and you know, everywhere that their readers or their followers exist. Mm-hmm.
1: You talk a lot about everyday experts and I'm assuming, you know, bloggers do represent that to some degree, but yeah. that also expands to other people. Can you share a little bit more about what you mean by everyday experts?
3: Yes. So the advent of the everyday expert is something we celebrate. She knows because we work in primarily in lifestyle media. So we're not we're not endeavoring to cover the news or hard politics or you know international relations. We are looking at food and family and beauty and so much of the content that's and entertainment. Much of the content that's being produced for our audience is highly qualitative and a strong voice is a strong voice regardless of the path the content contributor has followed to find her audience so we um, have celebrated for some time the everyday expert by which we mean someone who has a strong voice Excellent content creation skills that may not have risen through the ranks, you know, at a traditional editorial house um, or through a traditional editorial experience within a media company. Many of our experts, you know, exploded onto the scene through Instagram um, because they have just a great eye and have hundreds of thousands of followers because they are really authentic and really stick to subjects about which they are passionate. So the rise of the everyday expert has infringed a bit on the space, you know, we find on the space of the editor-in-chief in in that, you know, there's a lot there, there, there's just far less barrier to entry to become somebody who has an audience and a loyal following. Um, So many of our everyday experts are women who are just excellent at um, articulating recipes and sharing their kitchen experiences and teaching others, again, not formal editors by any stretch. Others are just hilarious, like really funny parenting advice. And they have a voice that resonates with an audience. And so they've developed that audience. And they, um, most of them share some qualities such as authenticity and really sticking to their own voice. They aren't being edited aggressively or, be, or they, aren't, they aren't being pushed into a certain subject matter by a business. They are really relating what is of general and intrinsic interest to them. So that's the everyday expert. They're not necessarily credentialed. They have generated an audience based on the power of their voice and their content and they are committed to that audience and often amass larger audiences than the traditional editors that we've employed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It gives us all a chance, doesn't it, Samantha? <laughs> you know? It does.
3: I I'm think like, it's really maybe, democratic. Yeah, <laughs> I could be an everyday expert. You know, I'm That's sure very, you are.
1: Very empowering. Um, mm-hmm. Clearly, everyday experts are influencers. Bloggers are influencers. But some of these influencers are paid. I know yes. we've seen the rise of the YouTube star, which, oh my gosh, I mean, they even have their own award show these days. So it, it's kind of crazy how much influence they wield, but Granted, they are a cottage industry. They are there to make mm-hmm. money. Maybe that's not the way they began, but that's certainly the way they are today. Mm-hmm. And they often can cost more than even celebrities. yeah so let's talk About a absolutely. little bit about that
3: payment
1: issue. Sure,
3: think, well. sure. So it is, yeah, and it is a complicated space for, you know, we work with advertisers and with, you know, content producers, and we're trying to match them up so that the t- content producer can generate Content that is authentic to her brand, and also might work in advancing the, the marketing objectives of the advertiser, and that is usually a transaction between the two entities. So, some just a caveat with some of the experts with whom we collaborate are just authentically interested in certain products, like they are you know, in the kitchen all day, and they can't live without their Pam or their parenting, and they they. Want wanted to tell everybody about the best new sort of blocks from Mattel. So there's sometimes products come up actually quite often in the flow of content without being official endorsements or without being, you know, by design. When we map brands to influencers or to everyday experts, we do so in a very transparent way. We'll say like this brand has a new product. They want you to try it. They want you to, you know, opine on it. There's a kind of subtle understanding that if you hate the product, that's probably not going to fulfill on this informal contract between content creator and advertiser. So most will say, yeah, you know, I tend not to go for that type of product in my cooking. So I don't think I'm a great you know, a great partner for that brand. Others will say like, yeah, we use, you know, Horizon products all the time and I'd love to try this new product and give my opinion on it to my audience. So there is a bit of art to mapping the right, content producer to the right product or advertiser. And then the transaction there is based on the amount of audience that individual reaches. So it's like they're little media companies of one, you know, one individual talent who has an audience of 17 million people is, you know, has as much potential for product influence as many of the top, you know, media brands and some you know, traditional print vehicles, for example, more than most print vehicles. So that is, and their ability to charge is usually directly correlated to the audience size that they've amassed. And then, you know, we as the intermediary are both allowing, we've, we've built a product called Momentum, which is a platform through which these content creators can publish to a, a whole mix of social platforms and, and media outlets. So they can check off, you know, five different places where they'd like to publish this advertiser-based content, and then they get paid for each set of eyeballs essentially that they generate. Um, so they, which means their interests are pretty well aligned because the advertiser wants visibility for the new prod, you know, the new cooking solution or the new substitute butter, <laughs> and the content creator wants to optimize their revenue opportunities so that they are inclined to generate as much audience traction as possible. It's all very trackable and. You know, you—that's that's kind of the the general relationship that exists between the content creator and the brand or the marketer. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and it feels like it's pretty authentic. I mean, even though there's money trading hands, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's still—you're not going to take that project on if it's not something you feel like you would like. You know, it, right, right, just right, not and that's what
3: we found actually. Like we've seen that, and when we did, we pr- published some recommendations in this research that emerged from our qualitative time with experts who are looking to collaborate with brands that they said that they can't work with brands they wouldn't naturally use because they'll lose their audience. And these guys are pretty savvy about keeping their audience, that's their asset. That's what they are, you know, that's their power. So they know that if they advertise a teeth whitening solution in a highly commercial way, and that's not the kind of material they typically proffer to their audience, that they will lose people. So I think that they're first and foremost, these guys, are the the women with whom we, we collaborate on our Experts Among Us platform are, are really protective of their own brand, and they're excited when we bring them a brand opportunity that resonates, you know, if we bring them an opportunity to work with L'Oreal or an opportunity to work with, you know, as mentioned, Horizon Milk is really popular, or... Annie's organic products are super popular they're like yes awesome I'd love to endorse that because that's so something I you know saved my life and then you get this really authentic endorsement because it's unscripted and it's you know it's real the problem is there's always like you know a brand that is struggling that wants desperately to find authentic endorsement and those can sometimes be harder harder to find matches for Mm
1: -hmm. We're going to take a quick break, Samantha, and we come back. I do want to sure. start diving into celebrities, you know, the old-fashioned sure. kind. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, good. old
3: TV stars,
1: all that good stuff. So everybody stick around. Yep. More from Samantha when Purse Strings returns in just a moment.
0: Purse Strings will be right back after a word from our advertisers.
2: internetmarketingninjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled internet marketing ninjas disavowed documents reconsideration requests panda and Penguin penalties let our superior seo ninjas confront all of your link related issues the internet marketing ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise content creation authorship link building ppc and more plus build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com.
0: Internet Marketing Inc. designs fully integrated digital programs that improve brand experiences and grow businesses through valuable data insights and strategy across all types of media. Paid, owned, and earned. Their digital experts nimbly adapt strategy by providing you a comprehensive view of your brand's online audience and program performance. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing, Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit InternetMarketingInc.com. Her Strings is back with the inside track on today's women. Once again, here's Maria Ritam. I've been chatting today with Samantha Ski.
1: She's the Chief Revenue and Marketing Officer for She Knows Media. And you probably know about She Knows Media. It's a New York-based women's media company that believes in women inspiring women. And we've been talking about the results of a fairly recent study on women's influencers on their buying behaviors, and we talked about a new term, well, it was a fairly new term to me, called the everyday expert, and of course, bloggers, and bloggers aren't dead, they're just diversified, we learned, but you know, celebrities used to be the tried and true, you know, you would always Ellen's mug on something, or Eva Longoria on, on something, but you know, these celebrities, if you will, have been kind of on a down cycle for a while. And as we were talking before, you've got these everyday experts, you've got these bloggers, you've got other types of influencers that have been on the rise. Do you think this means, though, that a brand shouldn't hook its wagon to a film or TV star?
3: Well, I think that the rise of everyday experts, in which I would include YouTube stars and others who have come to fame through Kind of doing what they do on social platforms. I think that rise has mitigated some of the power of the celebrity because other, you know, many, many people can now amass an audience and wield influence through digital media in particular. Digital has the fewest, you know, barriers to entry. So I think it's put a larger onus on the brands and advertisers to select um, celebrities who really represent them authentically and who are endemic to their brand. So hiring a spokesperson. To use the really sort of traditional language of celebrity endorsement, hiring a spokesperson is not as easy as it once was. It's not you can't just choose a, a pretty woman if you're a if you're a beauty brand and say this is you know this is going to really propel my brand and perception of my brand's efficacy and my product's utility. It's got to be someone who you believe would use the brand and would use the product. So it, it's got to match lifestyle-wise what we know about that celebrity and with again back to the advent of social we know way too much about celebrities now and we see them in their everyday life they're being Photographed perpetually, so if they are endorsing Diet Coke, we'd better not see them, you know, drinking a Diet Pepsi on social. Mm-hmm. So there's also the risks are far greater because just the image control is harder with celebrities than it used to be. So I think that it's certainly celebrities are still incredibly valuable in terms of driving consumer behaviors and product adoption. I think it's just that. It has to be really thoughtful and really intentional in terms of what humans map to specific brands. And it's harder to fake it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: You can't fake it anymore. Consumers have gotten to be so savvy. They can sniff that out, you know, very, Mm -hmm. very quickly. Talk about what your report revealed, if it did at all. Major differences Mm -hmm. between generations or ethnicities um, or other demographics.
3: Well, that was interesting. So key demo, So, so the, the younger we are, the more likely we are to rely upon the, this category of everyday experts. So reliance upon an everyday expert or a person you might not know but who you follow on social declines with as we advance in age groups or demographics. So millennials are the most likely to seek out. Recommendations and advice and information from everyday experts, Xers are less likely, and Boomers are the least likely. So, so that's not too surprising, given you know the 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 generation that came of age with access to these kinds of content producers. We also found that by platform, so we looked a lot in our study at what platform each different types of everyday experts use to share and publish information around different lifestyle topics. So food and cooking is the category that is the most essentially prolific in terms of different platform use. So um, women who follow everyday experts and are looking for their advice turn to them across almost every platform, so YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram, and personal blogs for food and cooking advice. When it comes to travel, Pinterest is far and away the most significant platform that we will go to to hear from everyday experts. Others are essentially so small that, that they're not relevant. When you're looking for parenting advice, the first place you go as a blog so um, to get more uh, in-depth information um, and then beauty YouTube is really popping for beauty not surprised wonderful how-to's and you know and makeup DIYs so that's not too surprising either but but cool to think about and then when you're looking for information content advice on pets and animals most people go to YouTube and to Pinterest and to snapchat actually oh pops my there. Gosh, you're kidding. <laughs> And I don't think that's for advice. I think that's for a funny picture. I think that's straight up just for like pet loving. Pet loving on Snapchat. So um, so you can see the platforms are always, you know, always kind of swapping and that what you go to one for, you might not consider for another. When you're looking, when a consumer is looking to make a purchase decision, she is most likely to find an answer to her question on Facebook or YouTube, she's very strong conversion on blogs, but fewer of our total population are looking to blogs. So while blogs are more likely to convert you to a purchase decision based on the authenticity of the content, more people are looking for recommendations for purchase on YouTube and Facebook. And then Pinterest and Instagram are both at about 28-29% in terms of their likelihood to convert a purchase or be a source for purchase decisions. And then when we looked at demographic key demos, the top platform for new moms was Pinterest, which is not too surprising, super image based. Um, and that was new moms who were non-white. I should have made that point. That was really interesting. And when we looked at new moms who were white, it was Instagram. And then when we looked at Snapchat, for millennials, non-whites skewing African-Americans, Snapchat was the number one platform. And then millennials in general, all in, all ethnicities, Snapchat and Instagram are the two biggest. So there's, they, while they all have a Facebook account, their activity levels are higher, it seems, on Instagram and Snapchat. So. There is, you know, a little bit of truth to the idea that Facebook is not the first and foremost selection for millennials.
1: Right. Fascinating. Really fascinating (laughs) about those verticals and how they're appealing to different kinds of people, different ethnicities, especially that's really, really quite insightful for brands. So if I'm counseling a brand on how to connect with women, and of course, clearly it's going to be, well, what type of women, Maria? And, you know, what's the most powerful way to do that? And I think the answer would be, it depends on what you want to talk to them about, right? There's not really a secret sauce here.
3: Well, yeah, and I think that's a new understanding that marketers and advertisers are are beginning to feel is that, you know, it's not about, I need a social campaign or I want to reach moms. I'd better use social. Social, you know, comprises so many different kinds of of engagement opportunities. And while, you know, you go to the blog for deep information on, you know, or to a blog for deep information on parenting, perhaps a special needs child. But you check out Instagram for a suggestion on what to do this weekend or a fashion and beauty advice or new discovery of a beauty tool. So I think it's really that brands are becoming more savvy. We're certainly having these conversations with a lot of the advertisers we work with. They're becoming more savvy about connecting their objective, their marketing objective, their demographic target, their psychographic target to a specific platform. Saying, okay, so, you know, if it's millennial boys and you want them to turn out for a movie, Today, Snapchat, go Snapchat. Don't even bother with like Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, well,
1: you really yeah. can pinpoint your marketing plan today, whereas yeah. even a few years ago, we didn't have that many platforms to choose from, you know, yeah. and now it was it's like one or two, and it was just like,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah mm-hmm, absolutely. And therefore,
1: it can be more specific. Is there a brand out there today that you feel really has honed in on their demographic and is really leveraging the right platforms in the right way, just as an example?
3: Yeah, I think, well, I think um, we've seen some great stuff from beauty brands on Instagram in general. I mean, there's L'Oreal, Macy's, that's a retail brand. Crew has been really smart about using Instagram and, and image based advertising. Snapchat is the more elusive right now. I can't name a brand that I know of that's done a really great job of a long term Snapchat strategy, and that's hard because it's hard to track. I mean, you can track engagement, right. but then it disappears. I think that brands like Under Armour have been really smart, and Nike. And a lot of the sort of leading edge sporting brands have been really smart about using an array of social and sort of activating in one spot for one kind of One kind of opportunity and then another spot for another type of opportunity. I think Coca Cola has done some good stuff with social. They've spent a lot of, they've paid a lot of attention to where their sub segments spend time and they've engaged a lot of real kind of these everyday experts and allowed them to propagate content that's fun and inspiring but not necessarily a direct call to. By a Coke. So I think I think there are a lot of brands across different categories that are certainly experimenting, and you know some are going to have an easier time. If you're highly image based, it's easier to make a make an impact on you know Pinterest and Instagram. If you're like super informationally based, then blogs make a lot of sense, and t- with Twitter as a promotional driver. So I, I yeah, I've seen lots of great stuff, and I think it's a fun time to be in advertising and to be focused on social.
1: It really, truly, you can be extremely creative and have lots yes. of different ways to mix and match, which makes us, us, those of us in marketing, a lot more valuable to our clients yes. as well. Samantha, thank you so much for being on the show today course, and sharing anytime. the results for of the me. study. Incredibly insightful. And I do want to drive everyone to SheKnows.com where you can catch up on everything about women inspiring women. And I look forward to some more studies coming out of SheKnows. You guys do a great Wonderful. job of research. So thank you.
3: Thanks so much for having me, Maria. Take care.
1: Thank you. And thanks to my producer, George, for another great show. And join me right here next week for another edition of Purse Strings, 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Until then, make it a great one.